Hi, everyone. Welcome to your baby's brilliant brain. I'm Dr. Christine Anderson, or Dr. Chris, as my patients call me, and with me is... Dr. Toxel Ruck, or as my patients call me, Dr. Toxel. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, we have a really special guest all the way from Costa Rica, the magic of Zoom calls. Um, I'm a bit jealous because Chrissy Long, who we're going to speak with in a second, of Blissful Birth Franchising. She's got coaching. And um, is it Blissful Birth or Blissful Birthing? I want to get this right. Blissful Birthing. This yeah. blissful birthing. Okay, a lot of bees in there. It's all right. So yeah. we got a lot of bees too. <laughs> but she's gonna she's gonna let you know how you can find her. But if you look up blissful birthing, uh, you will see Chrissy Long and all that she has to offer. But she's gonna dive into that and tell you all about it. But she just got off the beach and she's you know fresh from the beach here with us which i'm so jealous i cannot uh, i can't tell you because i've been to costa rica so um i know how amazing it is there but my question to you is was there anything surprising when you landed in costa rica if you had a certain expectation in mind or what it was going to be like was there anything surprising to you yeah, there were quite a few surprising things, like the amount of bugs. I, I, I knew there would be insects <laughs> that big and that many and that terrific. Like, you know, they find a way into your house, even when you think everything's, you know, got walls and doors and stuff. So that was quite shocking. Um, and how, you know, I thought, oh, those toxic snakes and stuff. I'm sure they're more like further away in the jungle somewhere. But we saw really toxic ones quite a few times, like tertia pillows and stuff. Um, what else? The roads. I didn't realize in my naivety that it was so third world in that way. Um, all the potholes, because I was pregnant with our fifth, so it was really uncomfortable with this belly growing bigger and bigger, being like bumped around everywhere. Um, and I think the amount of rain was quite special in wet season. Um, I'm quite wow. confident driving, like I drive in Spain and England and Germany, you know, different sides, really quite confident, but there I was or well, here, I was pulling my pants at the beginning because they have these huge drop-offs on the roads to gather all the rainwater. Yes. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not really good at spatial awareness. I'm going to end up down one of those things. And, <laughs> you know, the windscreen wipers just cannot be fast enough to see what's going on. So, yeah, they're probably the top three things. Yeah. Oh, and one more. They, they're pretty racist here. Like when they see someone with blonde hair and blue eyes, you get charged three, four times more than any local. Isn't that interesting? Wow. It's so blatant. You know, there's no covering up PC-ness. Just <laughs> right. Well, and I'm sure they're considering you rather than being a resident as a tourist. So mm -hmm. as you know, tourists always get charged premium prices. But I think as they see you around more, that probably is going to change. But I do remember those roads. Crazy. I mean, driving right and left, yeah, whatever you can do crazy. to avoid potholes. And then we were up in the mountains and we started to try to go back down and a, a big, like, big rig truck fell off that ridge that you're talking about and mm -hmm. completely blocked the road. So we had to turn around and go back a different way. So, it, it, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a different way, especially coming from uh, England via Spain 
And I don't know if you lived yeah. anywhere else, but uh, yeah, a whole nother world, which is great. What an adventure. Yeah. Absolutely. It is. It feels like you're in Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones territory. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, I spoke a little bit that uh, you're here with your business that you're calling Blissful Birthing. So you've got your website, you've got your coaching, you've got your podcast that you started, which is uh, so exciting. But how we want to know how you got there. How did you get to this blissful birthing state? So oh, really, this whole idea was conceived 11 years ago when I had my first Luca. Um, because I had had quite a transformational journey with him throughout the pregnancy. I was absolutely terrified of having a baby naturally. And I had decided that it was going to be a C-section. I was going to airlift this baby out. I wasn't going to be a martyr to pain, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm not doing this barbaric thing called birth. But then I met um, this girl who had a doula in a yoga class. And she said, oh, you can meet her too to speak to her. She might change your mind about a few things or give you some confidence. And needless to say, in the next four months of my pregnancy, I did a complete 180 um, because she kept sowing little seeds, um, which were informing me that natural birth was so much better for the baby. Um, and, you know, you already start thinking like a mother when you're pregnant. And I just kept thinking, well, if it's better for the baby, I don't really care how intense it is for me. I'm just going to have to get through this. So I started doing a lot of um, mental and emotional work on myself with EFT, with hypnobirthing, with um, this doula, a friend of mine, Caroline Spears. Um, and yeah, to cut a long story short, the birth ended up being absolutely beautiful. I wasn't expecting it to be like that. I thought I would just have to survive the experience, but I absolutely loved it. And straight afterwards, I said to my husband, why is no one speaking about it like this, that it's so beautiful, that it's so powerful, that it's amazing? Like, I wanted to do it again, like two or three minutes after. I was like, let's do that again. That was amazing. And he was like, really? <laughs> I'm sure that's just your crazy hormones. Speaking. Oh, no, it actually is your crazy hormones, but I can relate to yeah. it. Um, I'm yeah, going to interrupt you here because it. there might be some listeners. You said some words. You, you talked about some things like doulas. And some of the work you did, like EFT, can you just speak a little bit more about what is a doula? Because I know you became a doula as well. That inspired you to become a doula. But some of the work that you did um, to prep you for that first birth once you knew that there were other things out there. Sure. So a doula is just basically an emotional coach or an emotional, emotional helper who will guide you um, throughout the whole birth experience, but prep you beforehand and is even there postpartum as well. Um, you get various doulas who specialize in those areas or they do the whole thing. Mine did the whole spectrum. Um, and yeah, I think that's basically 95% of what women really need is that emotional connection and support when they're giving birth to just trust their bodies to surrender to it, to, to reach a place of real trust and calm and peace, because then your body can just do what it's been born to do, right? And we've been doing it for 300,000 years. Um, so having someone there to keep you calm. And for me, it was really important to have a doula who had had babies naturally herself so that I could look into her eyes and say, is this normal? Because with as much women in the world, you know, your husband, he wants to be there for you, but he's never experienced it and he never will. 
So when your husband says to you, you're doing a great job, honey, it's kind of patronizing at that point. You know, you're like, how would you know, you know, (laughs) and you will never have to experience this. So go away. But it's just very different having a woman there. And they're just so much more in tune. She knew when to say something. She knew when to stay silent. She knew when to give me a hug or get me something to drink. Whereas um, men kind of, well, my husband, he needs to be given instructions and he was kind of like, he didn't know what to do. Um, so do it is great for the men as well because Absolutely. she can give them tasks and then they yes. feel like they're being helpful. Yes, yes. Men also massage too hard and stuff like that. Like, you know, like when you're giving birth, you're ultra sensitive, like everything. I don't know, you've got like these antennae everywhere so um, a massage that might normally be really nice and acceptable when you're giving birth is highly irritating and it's like (laughs) so that's why I wanted a doula and I also wanted someone who could be a real lioness for me should the birth not unfold the way we wanted you know that she could say I want it to be like this or like that to the medical staff Um, and EFT is emotional freedom technique So it's a way of using the body's acupuncture points and tapping them with your fingers to stimulate, um, yeah, your meridians really. Um, And you talk through an issue you might be having while tapping and it's extremely powerful. Absolutely. And you mentioned um, a couple of other things you did in preparation for having your first besides the EFT. Was there something else? Can you hear me? Um, oh, hypnobirthing. Hypnobirthing, that was it. <laughs> yeah. Hypnobirthing, that was really great. Um, we had a lady that came to our house. What is that? Just for those people out there who are listening, remember, there might be moms like you who have no clue mm-hmm. what these things are. And they're listening because they really do want to see what else is out there. Sure trying to remember because it was 11 years ago but it was a combination of meditation positive visualization and affirmations combined with uh, breathing techniques you know and to really drop yourself into a state where you would imagine okay now I'm going through contractions or surges or whatever you want to call it right the renaming the re- exactly the renaming so we have mm-hmm. negative connotations to things like contractions so saying yes. it has a surge or a wave mm-hmm. or yeah a it completely changes the game yes. yes yes and also just making you realize that this wave you know you have to kind of visualize it and you say this is only going to last for 60 seconds and I can do anything for 60 seconds and Really, out of that 60 seconds, it's only 20 seconds that are intense because you feel the build-up for the first 20, then it peaks, and then it goes away. So then you're like, oh, okay, I can do this, you know. So um, it was really good to get you into the zone to visualize what it would be like so that when it actually occurred, it wasn't a brand-new piece of information. And you could just tap into being in that zone when it got intense, like, okay, I'm going to remember how to breathe pick my top visualizations that I actually hung them up on my wall, the affirmations I liked the most. And they were often combined with beautiful drawings that I had colored in. And then I could look at them when I thought, Oh, this is really intense. You know? Um, I also um, did visualizations. This isn't hypnobirthing now, but I found that really powerful of like other women 
around the world that were giving birth the same time as me and that we would pull on each other's strength. That's really helpful so you don't feel alone. And um, if your family members couldn't be there, visualizing people in your family or friends that would really have your back and cheerlead you on. So I would either visualize them or have photos of them up that they are kind of my cheerleaders. Absolutely. All of those things are such great tools. Mm -hmm. I actually, because something popped into my head when you said like women around the world are having this same experience as you at the same time. You have five children and you've lived in a couple of different places. Um, Did you have different experiences with those um with the pregnancy labor and birth in those different countries were there different experiences in their approach or did you find it pretty uniform sorry it's kind of a confusing question (laughs) well because I chose to have them most of them all at home it was just the first that he was supposed to be at home but we went into hospital because there was meconium in the water And my midwife said, oh, that can be a sign of distress. So you should go in. And I was like, oh, okay. But I wouldn't do that now. I would have just stayed at home. But they kind of left us to it in the hospital. Anyway, it was just my husband, my doula, and I in the bathroom. So we didn't really need the midwives. Um, But the other four were all at home. Okay. That was in Chichester in England. Yeah. Uh, There we go. Let me just close my door. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Well, and so the reason I wanted to ask that question is because we have such a westernized view of it here in America and what we have on the media and what we see in the media, whether it be a TV show or a movie, we have a certain um, idea or preconceived notion of what the pregnancy, birth, and labor is like. So I actually wanted to know, because you've um, lived in a couple of different places, um, whether the general idea of pregnancy and birth and labor were approached differently or viewed differently. Well, I'd like to ask for and go to your, especially your fifth child, Hmm. you gave birth to in Costa Rica, right? And that was fairly recently, correct? Yeah, that was a year and a half ago. So to answer your question, no. Mine were all very similar because I took complete control of them at home. Mm -hmm. And I know the way I like to give birth now. Like I've got my system for me, (laughs) which is what I like to share with you because it just really works. However, each country, yes, definitely had different protocol. Um, England is pretty relaxed and they really encourage home birth now. If you've had especially if you've had a first really easy pregnancy and birth, they're like, you know, do it at home. They give you community midwives free of charge. You know, um, it's really supportive. You get two midwives that come to your house and it's just easy. Um, Spain, you had to pay for the midwife to come to your home. They don't supply community midwives and they're much more into the hospitalized way. Um, And I was, you know, openly mocked and bullied by um, a consultant in Spain. Again, in England, you don't see a consultant. You don't see an OBGYN in England unless you've got a problem. It's just midwives. Mm. But in Spain, it's consultants. And when I went a week before having Jess, I I just wanted to scan. I don't really do scans apart from the last one to make sure the placenta wasn't in the way because obviously that would be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just, you know, quizzing me in Spanish. And my Spanish wasn't good at the time. So I felt really disempowered. But I, I could understand him. You know, like I was a child. I could understand, but I couldn't speak. 
And he was just saying, so why are you having a baby? And I was like, oh, you know, at home. And he was like, oh, so you and the baby want to die. Is that what you're, you're planning? I'm like, no, this is my third baby. And I've got a midwife coming. And no, it's just the, the easiest way for me to give birth and for me the safest. And he was merciless in his way. And he said, why haven't you come for more scans? You're supposed to be coming every month. In England, it's three times during your pregnancy. Expect you to come. But they wouldn't mind if you didn't. You know, it's a choice. Whereas in Spain, it's like every month. Um, or you get reprimanded. And I really did. And he said, well, let's hope your child doesn't have a deformity or a problem because you're winning it, aren't you, by not having checked up. It will be your fault Wow. if there's something wrong. So Opposite I wasn't empowering. <laughs> oh, and I wasn't prepared for that because I kind of done my own thing the whole pregnancy. I didn't really, you know, do anything because I, I felt healthy and safe. I didn't go to see consultants. I just saw this private midwife of mine when she came to my house. And it was all very natural and lovely. So I was fuming when I came out of there because I went in alone, not thinking I needed my husband to be there. And um, I just called him with tears of frustration more than anything, saying, thank God, this is my third and I'm strong in what I want. But if this had been a first time mum, he would have terrified me and bullied me into coming into hospital now and made me feel like, you know, a terrible mother. And I just remember leaving him, like wiping the gel off my stomach and saying, have you ever given birth? Because as far as I can see, you won't ever give birth. You have no idea the environment that a woman needs to be able to do it. So I think you should keep your opinions to yourself. <laughs> um, and stormed out. I, I can just then, imagine. I'm visualizing yeah. this massively pregnant woman, you know, cussing out this the Spanish doctor and uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I couldn't really, really swear at him. I couldn't really do it. You know? I was just like, oh, God, I was like, okay, get me out of here. Well, that's something and, to be said. And he was almost annoyed. He was almost annoyed that the baby was fine. You know? oh. He was like, because he, he waited on purpose a long time to say the baby was okay. You know, he had a female nurse in there with him. So I said to her eventually, and is everything okay then? And she was like, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. The amniotic's fine, the baby's fine, the heartbeat. And he was almost like, mm, well, you're lucky. It's okay. No. Wow. <laughs> okay. That it, I didn't realize. Um, they are backwards. I think there. that in, in Europe, a westernized place, no. it would be no. interesting. Well, they had, they had a dictatorship there not so long before, like, you know, 40, 50 years before. So a lot of the people are still very subservient. They've got that mentality that you respect the white coat you you know you don't question that and the teachers and everyone in authority um and I lived there for four years and many many friends of mine um had really traumatizing experiences in the Spanish hospital system you know where you have to lie down you have to have your feet up um, the episiotomy is standard um they're, they're really mean like really not nice um so yeah that's why I chose the home birth route there um and in Costa Rica it's even worse like really bad nearly everyone well 50 percent of the women come out with a c-section even if it wasn't required what? all of them come out with knees and pretty much all of them come out traumatized yeah they're not allowed their partners um they have to lie down if they make any noise they're told to shut up and if you got pregnant and you knew how to do that then you deserve having a baby this is the punishment for getting pregnant and being dirty and having sexual intercourse um just horrendous and um, once the baby's born, it's immediately vaccinated with three things. And if you don't agree to it, the baby will get taken into childcare services and you will go to jail. So you have to have the vaccines. 
So it felt like a system I didn't want to go into. I am shocked. I am really yeah. shocked. I'm sitting here. It was shocking. It was. And it was really scary because I obviously was planning a home birth, but I had to have a free birth in the end. I had a few free births by accident because midwives didn't turn up. But hey, remember, I was, free birth. Turn for yeah. our listeners. What is a free birth? And then I want you to talk about it. Sorry. Yeah, free birth is when you have a baby without any medical people there basically. So I'd done it um, for my second in England because the midwives didn't believe that I was that far along. Um, they were quite patronizing, like, oh, you're not breathing the right way or anything. I was like, is, is it your first? I was like, no, it's my second. I really think, you know, I know what I'm talking about. I've been in labor for 44 hours. Like this has to end at some stage. But so they didn't come. That's until called free birth by default. <laughs> 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 but it was great because it gave me the confidence to then do it again, you know. So when I had Soraya, the fourth one, I they were going on about my iron levels being a bit low. And just because you were lucky three times, it doesn't mean that this time you won't hemorrhage. And I was like, you know what? I just don't want that negativity in my birth space because I didn't know who the community midwife would be. And we were 10 minutes from hospital. So I thought, nah, we're just going to do the free birth thing again. I had my doula and my husband there, but that was it. And it went really beautifully. And then I called the midwife after and said, oh, it happened so quickly. She kind of smiled. She knew. She was like, oh, well done. Don't worry. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but and in so, Costa Rica, I wasn't. So let's, say, so let's make it clear. You had a free birth, but really you had a backup plan. You know, you didn't just yeah. go out into the woods and, you know, away from everything. You, you were doing it with knowledge I think yeah. that's the difference. This is not something sometimes people think that's crazy. How crazy. Oh, you I would have thought it was crazy before. Right. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. But you know what I'm talking about. People thinking, oh yeah. my gosh, you're, you're crazy oh. to do it alone. Irresponsible and yeah, you cool. Had, you had your team in place. You had your doula with you. You actually had a midwife you'd been working with. You had yeah. a hospital close by should the need be to transfer. So when we talk about free births, there's, there runs the gamut of what people are doing, but you're talking about an informed, um, well-thought-out, empowered, and, and with a backup plan. So not irresponsible is what I'm trying to get to. And Mostly. And I had some drugs in the fridge from the midwife um, in case I hemorrhaged, you know, that I could have put Pitocin into me and it would have stopped the hemorrhaging and I would have got to hospital in time. Right. So everything covered. I felt completely safe. Um, and, you know, I just know to give birth, I have to be in an environment that's peaceful and calm and that's my own. I know that if I'd been in a hospital, not in England, I would feel safe in England like I did with my first, but in the Spanish one, I would have freaked out so much. My body wouldn't have opened up. It wouldn't have been able to birth. But the one that was a little bit more risky was the Costa Rican birth because I was an hour away from a hospital on bumpy roads, right? And um, I, I had hired a midwife, so I thought I had myself covered. But it turned out two weeks before I had the baby that she wasn't a medical midwife. They call themselves midwives here if they're doulas. So it was a cultural misunderstanding. And I was like, sorry, what now? I'm paying you $2,000 to just hold my hand? Like, I don't need that now. Like, I, I, you know, can do this. I thought you were medically trained. She was like, no. So I did see an OBGYN um, and he said, you know, in theory, he could come to the house for $3,000 if I called him. So that was the plan. 
if anything went wrong. But then I had low um, iron levels. I was slightly anemic, but that happens to me every time when I'm pregnant. Um, and I also had um, a low platelet count. So this OBGYN said he didn't feel comfortable with those two things in combination. He thought I was a huge hemorrhage risk. So he would not put his name to the birth paper. And, you know, the apparent midwife also said that. So I was in a really tricky situation because I was like, right, you know, am I really at risk? I feel fine. I know I've been anemic before. I've had low platelet levels before, which, by the way, is often it happens to one in 10 women because you've got so much more blood, you know, got so much more water in your blood that it looks like your platelet levels are much lower. But actually, they're the same. It's just you've got more water in there. And the other thing I'd like to say is I hardly bled after any of my births, like really minuscule, less than a period. So I thought, I've had four births where I haven't bled. I've been anemic. I've had low platelet levels. I feel good. I don't think it's the risk that this OBGYN is telling me. And let's be honest, he makes three grand if I go into hospital, you know, mm-hmm. and not being too cynical, but here it's all about the money. So um, I did like four days of research. I read lots of soul searching. And I thought, do I want to go into this Costa Rican system, which sounds very threatening? And I decided, no, that the small risk of something going wrong was worth it for me. And I'd also researched even more about free birth and how if you, well, firstly, have the drugs on standby, the Pitocin, if you hemorrhage, that can help. But even if you put some placenta, so you could, you know, once the placenta's been born, if you put that under your tongue, it really, really reduces any bleeding. And it would just have given me time to get to the hospital. Can you tell our listeners why that would be? Because this is, again, might be a very new concept to people about there. They just go, did yeah. I hear her right? I know. You just so out put placenta under my tongue? What? So yeah, which is pretty little- gross. Well, yeah. you know, I'm a vegan, so I I haven't had any animal, but that's it, why I was like, ew, I really hope that doesn't happen because we're vegan. <laughs> right. But you know, obviously in this case, it's sort of like tissue of yourself slash the baby. So um yeah. maybe talk a little bit about that of of some of the practices using the placenta afterbirth. Well, you know, the placenta obviously has housed your baby and given it so much nourishment for those nine months. And they say that, um, you know, culturally, we used to eat the placenta like many animals do to restore us with all the vitamins and minerals that we've given our babies while we've been pregnant. Um, And it can also help balance out the hormone levels amazingly well. So apparently it brings in the milk. It can bring in the milk in 24 hours rather than three or four days. It can take away the baby blues should you be at risk of that. Um, I think it just gives you so much energy and positivity, basically. And even if you don't use it straight after the birth, if you decide to put it in a powder form or put it in the freezer, you can use it when you have your period in the future, even through the menopause. It's supposed to really balance you out, hormonally speaking. So it's just such a nutritious, what do we want to call it, organ um, that can only have benefits taking it. So, um, so it, yeah. sounds, it sounds almost like a, um, I'm also a homeopath, so it sounds almost like a homeopathic preparation for if you're bleeding, putting it under your tongue. First of all, there's a lot of nerve fibers under the tongue. That's often how we take homeopathic remedies mm-hmm. um, to really just get it into your bloodstream quickly instead of going through your digestive tract per se. 
Um, right. I don't know if what you came up with any of your research of why that would work. No, I, I don't actually remember. I just remember reading and thinking that's what I could do. Or I could make a raw smoothie. Mm-hmm. Be the other way to get fast, but obviously right. with lots of fruits, you don't have the irony taste. Yeah. Um, but that was really like my last, last, last resort. I think I probably would have done the pitocin first because of the vegan thing. It just makes me feel really cringe, ugh, gross, like <laughs> doing that. But it was a backup. Shit, it happened. Sure. But, you know, I, I'm a strong believer in the mind and the body connection. And um, I was so clear after four days of heartache and really staying up at night should I do this should I do this like even if I don't like the hospital obviously I don't want the baby to die or for me to die with four other kids um and my husband was very much on board we had a real frank discussion it's like honey for me if I you know do bleed out it's gonna be very quick you're the one stuck with four maybe five kids and it's not going to be easy to find a wife that wants to take that on (laughs) and uh, <laughs> he was just like, that's not going to happen. It's going to be fine. And we both agreed there and then. I was like, I don't think so either. So now we're not going to do any more research into the negative. We're just going to be positive and have that mindset. And the minute the baby's born, it's going to be breastfeeding to help the oxytocin levels stay high and help the uterus close down and again avoid any hemorrhaging, right? So I just thought, if I do all of those things and I feel peaceful and calm, the likelihood of anything dangerous happening is so minuscule. And I've done lots of research on that as well. Um, so many papers confirm that. So I was like, okay. And of course, it turned out to be wonderful. I mean, it couldn't have been more amazing. I had in my head, like, I want it to be at night when the other kids are asleep so they're not jumping around me. She started, you know, at eight o'clock in the evening. I was like, hmm, yeah, this is getting quite heavy. Cool. And by 11.30, she was with us. And we just managed to wake up a few of the kids so they were there for when she, you know, was born into the pool. So it was fantastic. And that's great. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and it, was. it was in the jungles of Costa Rica. I mean, <laughs> and I loved it. You know, I really wanted it to be in the jungle. It was on the balcony of our little house, and you know, the frogs were in the background and the crickets. And it's like, what an amazing way to be born, you know, compared well, to being in a hospital with bright lights yeah. and strangers. And, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what, a, what a, it couldn't be more different, could it? No, and we had some neighbors over as well, like a really dear friend of mine. She was drumming quietly, and then her little daughter was there, and she actually was the one that woke my kids up. It was just so beautiful. It was really, really nice. So I'm really glad we did it that way. But obviously, that's a very personal choice. I'm not saying people should rebirth. That is completely up to you. You should do whatever makes you feel safe. Um, but I found that option made me feel safer than the other. In an ideal world, I would have had a medical midwife with me. I want to stress that. Like, I think it's better to have that backup. But I really, I didn't have that choice. So. Right. When we have choices, it's it's so much better. But your choices it's were true. either highly medicalized or free birth. And you had already yeah. given birth to four children. You kind of knew your body. You knew um, kind of what your nor- your normal was for pregnancy yeah. and birth and what you needed to have a safe uh, labor delivery. And again, I think that's so important that everybody is different and mm-hmm. nothing is the right way. Nothing is the wrong way. It's mm-hmm. definitely an individual experience. And as I said, I have three children, three natural births, but they were all different and, mm-hmm. but they were all amazing. Yeah. And I think Dr. Toxel has a, a question well, for no, you. I, I do because you actually mentioned, um, 
while you're talking something, the mind body baby connection. So I've mm-hmm. actually never heard of that. Um, what is that? <laughs> or, and um, does it matter in terms of how you decide you want to give birth or. And how can you enhance maybe that mind yeah. body baby connection? Well, it's just a phrase that I came up with because I'm creating an online course for blissful birthing. Um, and I think, you know, because we all, we're familiar with a mind-body connection, right? But the baby is in your body. So it's in your juices, literally. If you're scared and there's adrenaline pulsating through your body, then that's how the baby's starting to feel. It's feeling anxious and can get into fetal distress. Um, and if you're feeling calm and full of oxytocin and full of trust, then it really is mirrored in the baby. So that's what I'm talking about. And for me, to get in that zone... Again, it's very personal, but it is mirrored in mammals. And I think lots of women find it the best way is to be pretty much on my own for a lot of it. Just to be peacefully doing my thing, having a shower, using the toilet, walking around, watching TV, being with my kid, you know, if it's not too intense. Um, But just not freaking out, just being as calm as possible. And when it gets intense, I kind of have a nest that I make myself in a bedroom or something. And I have my candles my essential oils and my twinkly lights and the affirmation stuck up. And I'll listen to some music that has positive affirmations and that I find relaxing. And I just really go into myself and I visualize the baby um, because it's really the baby's birth. It's not mine. I'm the vehicle, but I keep thinking about my baby and I don't know if that's so common. Um, but I just keep thinking, how would I want to be born? And I need to stay calm with a baby, right? So I'm like, okay, what would make it more comfortable? So I might move around or swing or dance or sing. Um, so I guess that's the connection for me, the mind-body-baby thing. Is I've always, I'm always thinking about the baby first um, and how it's feeling and making sure that I don't get distressed because that will end up distressing him or her. So even simple things like being very aware that my shoulders are down, that I'm breathing really well, that my jaw is loose because your jaw is connected very much to down there. So if you're tense like this with your teeth and it was screaming or it actually clamps and shuts everything down below as well. So just singing really helps. Um, at the beginning of labor, watching comedies and laughing is very helpful. Um, so yeah, I think being connected like that because you have been connected all that time. Why is birth any different, you know? Uh, for the baby, it must be quite something suddenly feeling all these muscles pushing you. And, um, and, well, yeah, and, I and like, now leading into that beautifully, oxytocin, <laughs> which, <laughs> which everything you're talking about um, for the pushing, which oxytocin has a role in the uterine contractions and the bonding yeah. and that connection. So I was reading your blog because I love this type of stuff. And you had a really um, interesting post about oxytocin in the third stage of labor. So why in that stage um, would oxytocin still be important? And when talking about the, well, first of all, what's the third stage of labor? <laughs> yeah, so the third stage is when you birth the placenta. Mm. Essentially, you've had the baby. A lot of people think, right, that's it. It's all over. But then, you know, anything between a few minutes and an hour later, the placenta obviously needs to be born so that the uterus can then contract up down again and start to heal. 
Um, and the placenta being retained in there is a potential danger, you know, so you really want the placenta to come out. So for that to happen, you still need to keep yourself in this very blissful, peaceful, safe feeling, which is where oxytocin comes in. Oxytocin, they sometimes call the shy hormone because it's so, so sensitive that the smallest thing can stop it from working. It's a bit like a candle in the wind, you know? You do not want a gust of wind to come and take that oxytocin away from you. And it often happens, unfortunately, in the third stage of labor because um, I don't think we're sensitive enough about that. So often you'll have a midwife with really good intentions just whisking the baby out of your arms, going to clean it and weigh it and measure it. And actually, instinctively, the mother, that freaks you out. You're like, where is my baby? Give me my baby back. And you don't even know why you're behaving so hysterically. Um, but it's obviously all your instincts and intuition. And that can be enough to dip your oxytocin levels because you've suddenly got fear and adrenaline coming in, which is like the enemy of oxytocin. Adrenaline is the exact opposite of what you want. Um, and if that were to happen in the third stage of labor, you may risk the placenta being retained and then having to go to hospital to get it taken out. You may miss, uh, risk hemorrhaging because even if the placenta is born, then uh, without the high oxytocin levels, the uterus can't contract down well. So you've just got this open wound from where the placenta is peeled away from the uterus, not being compressed by the walls of the uterus. Um, but if it's not that dramatic, you may just simply risk not bonding that well with your baby. And the reason I know how this feels is because when I had my first, I was absolutely blown away. It makes me want to cry whenever I think about it by the overwhelming flood of love that I had for this baby. I was not prepared for that. Like, I, of course, I thought I would love my children, but it was overwhelming, like a billion times more than you'd love your boyfriend or something. And um, it also made me feel incredibly vulnerable because I was like, dear God, if anything ever happens to this baby, I'll die. Like, I, you know, I just can't. I can't even go there. Um, and because I had this overwhelming rush of just pure love, um, when I didn't get that with my second, I thought there was something wrong with me at first, but it was only looking back that I think, no. My third stage of labor was really interfered with. The midwives did rush in. They grabbed him away from me. They were using the hard towels that I had set aside for the floor for when I got out of the birthing pool and rubbing him down with it. And the soft, fluffy towels were somewhere else. So that really distressed me. Like I said, you're hypersensitive when you're a mom, new mom, right? And they were screaming about his color not being right, which was complete rubbish because he was a really, you know, healthy pink and screaming, so his lungs are working. But I think they were kind of annoyed that they weren't welcomed into the birth space because they were so late. We had kept them in the outhouse. So I didn't want them to interrupt my labor, so they were a bit peed. They were kind of making sure they had a job to do. And, and then they even started, after just 10 minutes, pulling the umbilical cord and saying, we have to get the placenta out, which is really dangerous. You shouldn't be tugging on the cord, right? I should have been breastfeeding and then the natural waves would have started coming back again and I should have been somewhere peaceful, but they were being quite aggressive and hands-on and it really did affect this overwhelming feeling of love for Molly, even though, of course, I loved him, but I just thought, what's going on? Why am I not getting that? Is it just because once you've had it once, it's never that intense again? I didn't know, but then it happened with my third. I got that overwhelming love again, so I was like, hmm. But the environment was different. I was left on my own devices. That midwife was amazing. She didn't ever even 
do any vaginal examination. She left me to it because that's what we'd agreed. But there was a friend that had been there for that birth and she wanted to hold the baby within minutes. I didn't really want to give her the baby, but I didn't know how to say that because I'm a people pleaser. I didn't want to come across as rude. So thank God the midwife intervened and said, no, this is the golden hour. Mummy and baby have to be together. You cannot hold the baby. No one else should be smelling the baby, holding the baby, touching the baby. Mummy and baby need this time. So it's so incredibly important for that bond as well because otherwise it can take weeks or months together. And that affects your milk production. Um, and, you know, just so many things. So, so my, my question to you then, because you are a knowledgeable, knowledgeable person, uh, you are generally empowered and yet still these situations happen to you. So what kind of advice do you have for moms who are um, in labor, maybe in a, in a less than uh, tranquil situation, maybe they're not in their home, they're somewhere else, uh, maybe en route to the hospital or in the hospital, or they couldn't get home, just sometimes life doesn't give you a, a lovely jungle to give birth into, um, yeah. to kind of hold space for themselves and the mind-body-baby connection and then honoring and keeping that space afterwards for, um, you know, making sure that they can do everything that they can in their power. And I think you touched also on a topic that relates to this and having support that you know is going to stand in for you if in a moment of I mean, you're very vulnerable when you're when you're in labor and giving birth, and you know you may not be thinking about everything going on. So maybe just a few, touch a few, you know, a little bit on on that. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I think having the right support team is absolutely crucial. If you don't have the right environment, you have to have the right support team. So be that your birthing partner or a husband, of course. But I would, I really would advise having a doula. And some people say, oh, we can't afford it. But, you know, you can find a way. You could trade. You could do anything. This is not a day that's just a normal day. This is not just one day either. This is a day you're going to remember for the rest of your life. And you want to make sure it's a day that you remember being magical rather than traumatic. So, I mean, my viewer only cost 600 pounds. And it was worth every single penny because, you know, she just helped me in so many ways from... Silly things like when we went into the hospital, for example, with Luca, um, I didn't know that I could decline vaginal examinations. I didn't know that I could decline having all the monitoring equipment put on me. I thought that when I entered the hospital environment, they owned my body, which is ridiculous. Like, it's so silly because they come with their protocols and they're so confident. It is their domain and their terrain. I just thought I had to give myself over and she said, you know, just very gently, darling, you don't have to do this. You can say no. You can just say politely, I decline, thank you. But, and I was like, really? So just things like that was so empowering. And when they said, you know, go on the bed, she said, if you don't feel comfortable, honey, you walk around, you go on the toilet, you do what you like. And I was like, wow, okay, I will. Um, and <laughs> it sounds so obvious, but you need someone to be there when you feel like you're being persuaded not even necessarily bullied, although in places like Costa Rica, you could be being bullied, but you could be very manipulated and persuaded that for the baby's benefit and for the baby's safety, it was better to have the monitors put on for the baby's benefit. Oh, and then of course you're going to do 
what they say, because you care about your baby more than anything in the world. But if you actually, you know, she would start questioning things like, and where is your proof that this is better for the baby if mom now gets distressed because she can't move freely? Or because she's hearing the beeping and that might be freaking her out because she doesn't know what that means. Um, or if you're doing vaginal examination that are actually really intrusive and mom doesn't want things going up there, she wants things coming out and down. Plus it increases the risk of bacterial infection and, you know, it just stops the oxytocin from working because how many strangers do you usually say, yeah, sure, just go up there in like most delicate private place. Come on in, everybody, you know. It's just not what you want to happen. So, yeah, I think having the right support is crucial. But also having in your mind and knowing that your body was made to do this. We have been doing this for 300,000 years. It's no accident that the human species is still alive. Your body has this intelligent blueprint, this intelligent design to give birth. The main thing you need to do is keep your mind out of it, your cognitive mind. Because women actually can give birth in comas. And um, it's like people poo in comas and we in comas, right? Your body's just doing it. Can you imagine if you tried to cognitively control every time your heart took a beat, every time you took a breath, every time you blinked, every time you swallowed some food and you had to digest it, you'd go mad with the worry of, oh my God, is it going to work? Like, what if I'm not thinking about, you know, peristalsis? Is that going to now go to my stomach and my colon? It's the same with birth. You don't need to think about it. Your body will do it. What you need to do is keep the mind calm so the body can do its job. Because if your mind is freaking out, and it will start pumping loads of adrenaline into your body, and then it will not be able to open up. So that's the biggest thing you can do for yourself. Whatever situation you're in, try and ground yourself. Try and stay calm. Have done lots of preparation with affirmations that ring true to you, with visualizations that you believe in. Um, but you need to do that emotional and mental work on yourself. I think going into it blind and just hoping for the best is a massive risk on the day. Because yes, your body can do it, but your mind can screw it up. Totally can screw it up. So it's a bit like running for a marathon. You wouldn't run a marathon without having done any training, without having the right trainers and the right gear, without having the right support team cheering you on, right? You'd be, you probably wouldn't make the finishing line. You'd probably die. <laughs> and it's the same with this. You don't need to prepare your body, but you do need to prepare your mind and your emotional state. I think. And now, honestly, I could quite confidently give birth in a toilet on my own because I know what I have within me, but I've done it before now. I've done it a few times. So for others that haven't, you need to keep practicing it and just really believing it. Do the meditations you need to do, do the affirmations, do the EFT. That's why I'm creating my online course called Blissful Birthing to just help with all of those tools and techniques. But I will be saying after the course, this is just the stepping stone to your transformational journey to reach your power. You, you are your own guru at the end of the day. If you don't do these exercises, if you don't truly believe you can, you, you won't do it. You have to truly believe and feel that you can. And you do also need to go externally and get, I think, a doula that suits your personality, that you feel comfortable with. And then the chances and the odds of you having a blissful birth are very, very high. That's amazing. And absolutely all that you were saying rings so true, having done this three times and witnessing 
a multitude of births. So uh, you're going to go for number six then? I would. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my husband and my eldest are like, no, we can't cope with anymore. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've had this little soul visiting me. He even told me his name was Indiana. Uh-huh. He's like, I really want to come. So I'm like, well, I'm open, honey. Let's see what happens. <laughs> that's, that's great. I love it. I do believe our children choose us and our little souls waiting up there. Now, I last yeah. or last kind of question, because I think this is we've heard a lot about your um, different pregnancy and birth and labor experiences. So have you noticed any difference in your children's development and um, especially in the neurological sense um, do they seem more aware, more active? Um, did you notice differences in your individual children? Um, or compared to yeah. their classmates, schoolmates, et cetera. What's your yeah, experience? Well, Just whatever you've noticed or, or been told to you maybe um, yeah. by other people's observations. Firstly, I really, really can see some differences in our children. And it's not to put guilt on myself because obviously you can't help the way you feel during pregnancy when stuff is happening, like if you're having a hard time. But with our second, we were going through a huge family loss and financial trouble and everything. And I was quite anxious um, and sad during that pregnancy. And Marley has got a very, um, even his physique, he's just built like a brick shit house is what we say in England whereas the first is very petite and slender whereas he just looks like he's coming in to protect himself more um and his personality is a lot more kind of fiery and a go-gettery and he used to be quite angry when he was younger and he's getting better with that now but you know I do think the pregnancy had an impact on that I do because he was in my juices and then we kind of had Babies, it's really bad to label them good, bad. Not, I don't mean it like that, but, you know, really calm baby. Not so calm. Then we had another calm baby because we had a calm pregnancy. And then the fourth one, we went through huge financial loss again. And my husband and I were not in a good place. I didn't even want him at the birth, like, a week before. And she is quite a little madam. She's quite a terrorist. She's very like Marley. You know, they're both, oh, like, you wouldn't mess with them. And she she scares me even now, three and a half. She's quite a force to be held. <laughs> Um, and then you know, the latest one again a calm pregnancy much calmer temperament so I'm like is it coincidence or not that's something I'd like to ask you one day on the podcast because I can't help but think that can't just be coincidence and again the fourth one very similar physique to the second one um, whereas the others are all really slender built so it's like well, this is really you know interesting and I kept trying to say to myself during their pregnancy stay calm you know this is affecting the baby but sometimes you just can't help how you're feeling right it was really difficult um and as for them in comparison to other kids yeah I mean every parent thinks their kids are amazing right so I don't want to be like yeah my kids are so special they can be little horrors as well I'm quite aware of the truth you know they can be special (laughs) um but they do seem quite with it like they just have a different sort of sparkle in their eye they're quite bright and it's more because other people tell us um, about it like so recently they were doing a Peter Pan play here in Costa Rica our three boys and we had so many parents coming up to us it was kind of embarrassing saying what special children they were how gifted also how confident that they could just speak to adults like other kids and that's through nothing we've really done nothing special and they were like and they're just so emotionally intelligent you know not necessarily 
book smarts, not that they're dumb either, but just really, yeah, emotionally intelligent. So that's been pointed out to us. Um, and they're always a little bit ahead of things when it comes to how apt they are in climbing, jumping, you know, they're action men, as are the girls. Terrifying to watch because you're like, oh, my God. Like, you know, they're all swimming by the time they were two, like baby two. They were throwing themselves in the water with no fear. So I don't know. In comparison to lots of kids, yeah, they were quite, they seemed quite advanced in that way. But I don't know if that's um, pregnancy, if it's birth, if it's breastfeeding, if it's... um, Personality, environment they grew up in. I mean, it it, it is an abstract it's an abstract question because we don't have a control yeah. group. We don't have one don't that had this birth and the other that had, that had the other birth and one that this was done. But I, I always just kind of, you know, I observe and I'm, I, I'm a big observer. It comes with the territory mm-hmm. with what I do. And yeah, we're also not into medicines or, and we're vegan. And you just think right. all those things might have a role to play. They probably all add up in their own little way. Exactly. It tends to come, I think, with a lifestyle as well. Parents and moms who are looking into uh, alternative options for birth are often looking into alternative options for life and not necessarily following a mainstream medical or a mainstream diet. So they do tend to come together. Not always, but it often does. But this and is we're really into, like um, parenting consciously as well. I mean, don't get me wrong, we fall down on it sometimes. Just last night, I was really shouting at the three-year-old. <laughs> she was being like some terrorist. But that's not normally what we do. You know, we try not to shout. We definitely don't hit. We always try to reason with logic. And we talk to them a lot about their feelings and how things, you know, that's the nighttime routine is a good sort of hour with them really talking so I think conscious parenting might have something to do with it too. Of course, it all all of it matters. All of it matters, and that's that's why we want to open up these conversations so that moms to be go. Oh, okay, let me think about that and look into it a little bit more because obviously we could talk for days, days and days and days about all this. And for sure, I know we've only touched on the surface. But I want to give you an opportunity to tell people how to find you. And then we're going to also put in the description uh, for the podcast how they can find you. So just um, let us know. How do we find you? Well, you can either just go to www.blissfulbirthing.com or um, Blissful Birthing on YouTube. I'll come up. And now on the podcast as well, just Blissful Birthing. Or Chrissy Long as well, if it has trouble finding me. That's but, great. Um, and I love yeah. that you have a program, an online program. So it doesn't matter where they're, they're at. You can help them in finding out what's going to be right for them and empowering them. Yeah. All right. And the I thing, think, sorry, the thing I really like about it is that there's going to, you know, they have a special Facebook group so the women can actually support one another as well. It's not just me. So they're on the journey together and hopefully making friendships for life all around the world that's great it's a community and then when we can travel again mm-hmm. they can visit each other so that's amazing um yeah. i am so thankful that you came on and spoke with us my gosh i mean such a wealth mm-hmm. of great information 
Dr. Toxel, do you have any last thoughts or questions or? Well, I definitely want to have you back onto the podcast again, if you're willing, because there's so much to talk about. And I, you know, we dipped into a lot of it, but you have such a wealth of information, um, both from personal experience and um, what you work in. So, um, Really, in the future, I'd love to do an episode with you about how some of the um, common things that go on in labor, such as um, some inductions, what the Pitocin can do, the elective Mm -hmm. C-sections, whether you've seen a difference in those. But as I said, that's a whole other episode that we can go into because there's so much information about that. So I am personally looking forward to having you back on in the future. Oh, thank you. I'd love to. That'd be great. Right. Always leave them wanting more. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. It's been a real pleasure. Well, Chrissy, we can't thank you enough. And uh, we look forward to continuing to watch you with your journey. And I've listened to your podcast series and you have so much to offer. I've looked at your blog and your offer for birthing coaching. And uh, this is just an amazing service for moms who are thinking about pregnant, who are checking what the options are, or, or even for those who are pregnant right now, even if you're on a certain path, by the way, you can change your mind at any point before that baby comes out. If in your heart, you know that maybe you're not quite on the path that you're thinking it is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Very <laughs> true. I did a complete 180 in four months. Right. Yeah. So you're a perfect example of that. All right, Chrissy, we're going to let you go because my gosh, um, I'm sure you probably have five faces peering at you at the door right now being like, when's mom coming out? I'm sure you've got plenty ahead of you today. Yeah, but this was a lovely escape. Thank you. And we're back after an amazing interview with Chrissy Long. She had so many interesting things to talk about just from her own pregnancy and labor and birth experiences. And she did this all in different countries. One thing she touched upon that is really, really important is oxytocin. So oxytocin is also known as the bonding hormone. It's also known as the love hormone. It's released when you meet a person that you fall in love with or that strong feeling of attachment and bonding, but it also plays a very important role in labor. We don't know everything about the role in um, the different endorphins and hormones. We still don't know everything yet, but we do know that oxytocin is incredibly important in the start of labor and then continuing after labor, um, after the baby is born to help you bond with your child. So, Oxytocin is being released while you're starting labor. It's released in very, very, very small increments. That's why you don't get a full strength muscle contraction typically out of nowhere. So that's what's actually stimulating your uterus to start contract. Now, with anything, it's going to start small and that slowly builds up as the labor progresses where you get stronger and stronger contractions. The reason this is important is 
the inclusion of Pitocin um, as in addition to a lot of um, Western medicinized labor processes. Now, the thing with Pitocin is you can't release it into the body in small increments, build it up over the time the same way oxytocin naturally does. When you get Pitocin, you get full-on muscle contraction that you your body might not necessarily be naturally prepared for. So that strong contraction then puts in events that can lead to the situation becoming more stressful. So you're releasing your stress hormones and that in turn affects the way that the baby is being um, birthed, um, including the baby's own heart rate and reactions. So Again, we're going to touch more about the touch on this a little more in the future um, in terms of the medical interventions and some things you can do as an alternative. But now, getting back to oxytocin, uh, what's your take on that? Um, as we said, it's the love hormone, and you're the one that's actually given birth three times. So I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> Thumbs up for oxytocin. So it is a love hormone, and it definitely is one of those things that can easily be disrupted like Chrissy is talking about. And I've seen this happen. I was at a birth. Uh, it was a patient of mine who was doing a home birth, and she her labor wasn't really getting going. So I went over there. I think it was about, I don't know, it must have been around 11 o'clock or so at night, and I went over and I worked with her, I adjusted her, I did some neuroemotional techniques. So Chrissy was talking about EFT, um, emotional freedom technique. NET is similar uh, in its effects on the emotional system. And for sure, we're definitely going to do a whole episode on NET. And I'll talk to you about my experiences. And we got labor going, everything was going really great. It was about two o'clock in the morning. And uh, they were a young couple. So they had friends that it was 2 a.m. They had just finished their evening and thought they would stop by. I don't know what they expected, like a party was going to happen or something. But we were in this really sacred space, very calm. It was everything was dark. It was pretty quiet. And, and we were working together to help the process unfold when all of a sudden, energetically, it shifted. So you have these people coming in, they've just been partying, um, you know, they brought in some, a little bit of loud, they had to come through the room we were in to use the restroom. So that kind of, it just disrupted everything. And before we knew it, her labor had stalled. And I thought, okay, <laughs> this is not optimal. Um, I did help her get the labor going again. Uh, it was about six o'clock in the morning and we called the midwife in. And unfortunately, I had to leave because I had office hours. So I didn't get to be there for the birth of the baby. But everything ended up, we, I did help her get going again. And she gave birth probably about eight o'clock in the morning. So everything was fine. But it just really became evident about how these energies, when you're in your own space and you're in your own head, when you're in labor, that these hormones that are taking place 
are really, really, especially oxytocin, which um, I love the description Christy used, uh, like a flame in the wind, right? You just yeah, have candle a candle in the wind. Candle in the wind. You have a, a gust come in, even if it's slight, and it can just put it right out. So I want, that's why I was talking to Chrissy about the, if you can't really control your environment, what if you have to go to the hospital or you're deciding to go in the hospital or you're en route to the hospital? And this has happened to some of my patients where um, actually one of them, they were en route home for a home birth and they didn't quite make it, but the midwife was in the car behind them. So uh, yeah, her, um, she was born in Beverly Hills and there's a whole story behind that, but, um, but I've been with women in the hospital too, and trying to make the space as much as it can be. Uh, this is where, again, the doula is so important. And I also tell my patients, if you are giving birth in a hospital situation, please invest in a doula. They aren't something that is um, a luxury it really, they really are a necessity because you need someone there who has, who knows the lingo. You can be a go between, between you and the hospital staff who can explain things as they come in or things that they want to do. If it's something that needs to be done now, or if you have time to wait, they're not making decisions for you, but they're just helping provide a little bit of, um, uh, sort of an in-between between the two so that they speak their language and they can help decipher it for you and help you figure out what you want to do so that it doesn't become so um, intense. You don't want things to become intense and stressful. So as much as you can make that environment in the hospital your own, uh, try to keep the lighting low, try to keep the noise down low, talk to the people who are there supporting you in the hospital and let them know your wishes so that they can help support you too as much as they can. And they'll have their protocols and policies and procedures. But within those, you can have a lot of freedom to keep the stress out of the room and keep things really just sort of low key and things that are going to help support you. So you can relax, get this oxytocin produced. It's going to help you labor. It's going to help you birth and it's going to help you bond and it's also there to help you after to help birth that placenta, as Chrissy was talking about, which is that third stage of labor, which is super important. And that's another point is speaking to whoever's helping with the labor about just letting that placenta come out naturally so that they don't start tugging on the cord right after, which can really create problems. And then there's other options too we didn't get into as far as uh, leaving the cord intact, letting all that blood go into the baby from the placenta as much as possible before you tie it off and cut it. And we're going to be having more and more of these discussions. Um, but this is the stuff that we are here for for you. We're here to give you all the things that you can think about and choose what is right for you for the situation that you're in. So I thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to put Chris's, Chrissy's information in the description for the podcast, as well as our information, if you want to get a hold of us. And we really appreciate you joining us here. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye. Bye.